Welcome to the Small Church Podcast, the podcast for church leaders who want to make a difference in their communities. We're your hosts, Tony Marr and Bruce Montgomery, and we're excited to be with you today. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest trends, strategies, and ideas for effective leadership in small-sized churches. So whether you're a pastor, a ministry leader, or a volunteer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with experienced church leaders who have valuable insights to share. We'll also explore topics like team building, community outreach, spiritual growth, and much more. So if you're looking for practical advice and inspiration to help you lead your church with excellence, you've come to the right place. The Small Church Podcast is brought to you by Higher Ministries. Higher Ministries is an organization that exists to help Christian leaders in the churches they serve through coaching and consulting, all for little or no cost. For more information on Higher Ministries or to find out more about the Small Church Podcast, please visit HigherMinistries.com. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Small Church Podcast. We have a full house here this morning. I've got uh, Robert back with me today, Robert Kell, and back from his worldwide travels, we have Dr. Bruce Montgomery is back with us today. Bruce, how are you, my friend? You're looking tan. Looking what? Tan. tan. Yeah, from all of your travels. It's all the work from doing outside at the house for, for Carol. Uh, not not that much travel after that after a while, but a lot of painting, a lot of, of doing things that she wants done, and I've learned that she's the boss. So you're moved into the new house. We moved into the new house, and I've not moved a piece of furniture in a week and a half. All right. So That's that good. means we're moved in. How's the back? My back? Yeah. Uh, um, I always get somebody from the church to do that for me, <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it, it's very helpful. And my my back is good. Just my balance is bad. <laughs> I, I do. I. I have typically right now walking a straight line, uh, and it's not because of anything I took in drinking or anything. It's just <laughs> that my balance is, is really um, going crazy. So is Carol doing all the driving? Mm-hmm. No, we got a new we got a new car because right right we came back from Florida, our car kind of went on the do you repair it or not list, and Carol had a had a had a price tag. And it was $200 over the price tag, so we ended up with a new car. Yeah. And I let my wife run the finances because I'm not really interested in those kind of things. And she does an amazing job with it. But glad to be here, glad to be back, and glad to be settled into our new place up in Kingsport. Good. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. It's a beautiful weather. We're kind of out of the heat for a couple of days and just chilling. Literally. Yeah. We, we can say beautiful weather here. <laughs> I've been watching the uh, weather in Myrtle Beach nonstop. It was a pretty sleepless night last night. Yeah. Uh, when you see uh, 10 to 12 foot storm surges and you have a, a property that is first level right on the ocean. But I think we made it. I've got friends on vacation there right now and it's just, it's nasty. So yeah. late August recording this of 2023, if you're listening. And so um, hurricane doing its thing yeah. coming through Florida and heading out through Myrtle Beach. Yep. Yeah, it is. Uh, hopefully we've we've reached the eight o'clock was high tide. So we're past that moment and we should be in the clear. So we're good. So guys, good. I'm so excited about our episode today, about our guest that we have with us today. When I moved to East Tennessee, coming back as an adult, he was one of the first friends that I made. Uh, I can remember getting connected with Jamin Rathbun uh, back in 2005, maybe like the week that I moved back here, uh, Jamin used to run a, a, a nonprofit ministry, an art ministry called at the time was Trinity Ballet. And uh, yeah. we went to see one of your performances at Grandview Christian Church. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I had to run the sound for that. Not really run. I sat in the sound booth with you and my dad yeah. and uh, got introduced to you. We kind of connected in that moment. We grabbed some some lunch a little while later, a couple of days later, and uh, has sparked a relationship that's now almost 20 years yeah. in the making. That's hard to believe. I know. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. thinking back uh, and we're, we're excited to welcome Jamin Rathbun uh, with us today. Uh, Jamin, I was thinking back on this and just thinking back over the years and I've, I've had a memory pop into my mind that uh, you probably don't even remember, but I'm very anxious to ask you about okay. is when, when I was at a, a life crossroads, had just moved back to East Tennessee, had thought that I was done with vocational ministry and didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And so went and got my insurance license, got licensed in personal auto and home insurance as well as life insurance. And you were my very first client. Hey. I sat down in your living room okay. and sold you a life insurance policy. Love that. Do you still own that life insurance policy? I do not still oh, own man. that life insurance policy. I do not, yeah. So you outlived yeah. the life insurance apparently policy I that did. I sold yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really great. That's awesome. I love that so much. I love that. I think you were my only client. I didn't <laughs> last very <laughs> long. Yeah. I didn't last very long in that business. Yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, the years are flying by, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Good years, though. Golden years, as they say, right? Yeah. And so we're so excited to have Jamin with us here. Jamin has a long history of of work and ministry. Uh, Jamin, for those of you that grew up in the 80s and 90s <laughs> listening to Christian rock when it was first getting started, you might remember Jamin Rathbun as the lead singer of the Christian rock band Hot Pink Turtle. <laughs> Yeah, no one will remember that. <laughs> Absolutely, no one. And it predates YouTube, so there's not a whole lot of evidence of that either. It's, Is that yeah. thankfully? Thankfully, it predates YouTube. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was great fun at the time. It's a little embarrassing now. So yeah, yeah. Jamin, talk us through a little bit, kind of the the roller coaster that you've been on with everything that you've done, from being a a musician, a recording artist, to being a computer software designer. I'm not even sure what all you did with that yeah. back in those days. Um, to now, uh, in your role as the singles minister, young adult minister at mm -hmm. at uh, Grace Fellowship Church yeah. here in Johnson City, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think. Um, Boy, to do an abbreviated version of that, I think started out, as Tony said, as a aspiring rock star in my late teens and early 20s. And then when I started having kids, I didn't want to be on the road anymore. And we weren't really making money anyway. And so uh, came home, uh, kind of like you had said, in your 20s, just to figure out what the path was for me. And, um, you know, for me, that was kind of graphic design and uh, some marketing stuff. And then the Internet was becoming a thing back then. Yeah. And so it was kind of an early adopter of some of that technology, and so transitioned uh, that into working for myself, building websites, uh, doing some creative work, um, eventually moved here to Tennessee uh, to run a, a little kind of a creative division for a company. Um, but uh, that didn't work out the way we had hoped it would, and so then we opened the school, uh, uh, Tony, Tony mentioned Trinity Arts Center, and then ran that for 20 years, um, as I did other things too, um, have always been involved in worship ministry, uh, music's kind of been a sweet spot for me over the years, but then after my divorce in 2016, uh, took a couple years and just sat in a pew, uh, didn't work in the church at all, was content just to kind of rest and worship. And uh, But a couple years in, I thought, okay, well, I can't just sit in a pew forever, and approached our church administrator, uh, Donna Simmons, and said, hey, I need to get plugged back in. I don't know that worship's the place for me anymore. We don't, we've got a lot of depth there and didn't need me there. 
And uh, so she suggested, well, we, we'd love to restart our single adult ministry. And uh, so restarted that, and that kind of began this season of life uh, where I'm doing this kind of ministry for the last four years or so. Yeah. So how, what, what have you, how, how have you grown in your role over the last four years of singles adult ministry? Uh, what have you seen over the course of that, that period of time, both personally in you, how that ministry helped you through a, a really uh, dark period of life, a really trying period of life, and kind of was an uh, um, important factor in bringing you, helping guide you through that, and, and how you've seen that ministry be important in the lives of some of the people that you're working with. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is how helpful it has been to me. You know, I think sometimes I'll tell people, I didn't, I didn't really think I needed friends you know, four or five years ago, I had some good friends. You know, you're one of those. We sat, talked through, you know, a lot of these things, just thought out loud about how to respond well to difficult circumstances and what to do, and some other friends like that too. But this community, uh, which I do think of, by the way, as singles ministry, we really resist the idea that it's a dating club or a meat yeah. market. Or, <laughs> we're just always resisting that. It happens. Which we, is hard, yeah. It is. We, you know, we've had lots of people meet and marry, and we celebrate that when people recover and heal and find you know, a helpmate, that's great. Uh, but we really resist that that's what we're about. It really is kind of a care group for people, because it's not just divorcees, it's lifelong singles who are kind of grieving uh, an extended season of loneliness, and it's widows and widowers. Our group ranges from 28 to 85, so it's just, there's no age boundary there. And I, I've really um, received a lot of care myself in this community. And I think, you know, different than when I was young. When I was young, I think I would think of operating in my gifts is like, well, I can sing and play guitar, and so I'll lead worship. That's what I'm good at, and I think this ministry is different because it's born out of um, my failure to some degree, or at least my sorrow, and that unlocks this compassion, hmm. uh, a humility to come alongside others uh, who are also hurting. That's just so unique uh, and good. So in this season, sometimes, and we're all in this age group, Bruce, maybe you're just a little beyond us, a little. Right? <laughs> but there's, there's a great, uh, you know, kind of a pastoral heart that we have the opportunity to embody when our experience combines with this humility of having uh, walked through some failures and some disappointments and some hardship. Man, there's just a real pastoral sweet spot there where you can be compassionate uh, to people who are hurting. And I, that's been, uh, this season of ministry kind of feels like that. Mm. Yeah. I've had people talk to me about ministry stuff, and like if they could look back, they're like, man, I would never hire myself as a 22-year-old on, on staff <laughs> at a church. Sure. <laughs> and, 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 you, and it's kind of a little bit like, you know, we talk about, you know, to get experience, you have to have an opportunity to do that. Yeah. And, and I've really, a lot of what you're saying there are things that I've resonated in. I'm going, man, I would have never yeah. hired myself. If I could go back to that church in South Carolina, <laughs> that church in Georgia that hired me as an interim or a, you know, a first-time church, I probably, I don't know if I'd make that decision because, I mean, just so young and so inexperienced and just didn't know so many things. Yeah. But I'm so thankful because now, man, what you said is so real because, you know, I sit in that, with, you know, with Mel and, and whereas we're leading and loving our boys and ministering and serving in the church and to families that come alongside us through small group or just on Sunday morning, there's just this real... This, I guess real genuineness that comes out yeah. because of the the hurt, the junk, the muck that we've had to sit in or got to sit in throughout our years. That now we get a chance to really love people differently and well inside of that. I love what you said there. So yeah, yeah, same. All that resonates with me. Yeah. 
Jamie, you talked about the the unique needs that someone who is is single has the the emotional, the relational needs that, that they might have. How can you? How can the church do a better job of addressing those needs? Oof. I think, um, uh, but that's hard to answer. I, I do think for sure that just creating a community for those folks is good. I think, you know, uh, I'm I may be past this to some degree now. I'm seven years from my divorce. Uh, I actually got remarried about 10 weeks ago. And Congratulations. The middle of June, which is great. A wonderful uh, helpmate uh, who just tolerates me really, really well, uh, which is great. And um, but, um, but yeah, that community in which to heal, I think one of the things that's difficult, whether you're an older single or divorcee or maybe a widower, is just every time in those early days um, when you have to check that divorced box on a form or sit in fellowship with other married couples who are holding hands or being encouraging to one another. It's not that you don't want to celebrate good marriages and healthy families and all that. That's a good thing, but it just reminds you of your own grief. And I think it's really helpful to heal in a community where, where we all kind of get it. And you've just got this kind of freedom. Um, there's such a temptation to comparison and envy and this ugly stuff when you're going through hard stuff, and it just helps to be in community with other people who get it. We can just help one another kind of resist some of those negative temptations and just lean into good work, part of which, you know, Robert was talking about is our difficult circumstances, part of the way that we count trials as joy, which is what the Bible promises, mm -hmm. is we, we see how our difficult circumstances have equipped us mm -hmm. to come alongside others, and when you're in a community of others who are hurting in a similar way, this could be true in a recovery ministry if you have recovered from some kind of addiction to help others who are recovering too. And um, you see God, you're aware of God working through you to, to encourage and bless other people, and you're aware of God working through other people to encourage and bless you. And that kind of community, I think, is uniquely available uh, when you're kind of serving in an area in which you have experience and where you can give a good testimony about how faithful God has been. Right, that's part yeah. of that too. Is yeah. just hey, let's uh, be grateful for and and speak the truth over one another, so we can just renew our minds and resist the negative temptations and lean into the opportunities that this gives us. Yeah, Jamin, most of our audience are leaders in smaller churches, mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, a lot of small churches don't have designated yeah. singles ministries. So how can a, a church that, and, and it's it's really goes beyond singles ministry is an issue with small churches, is how do you reach children when you don't have any children in your church? How do you reach teens when you don't have any teens in your church? How do you provide a ministry to singles in your church? If there's a leader out here uh, that's listening to the show right now that says, I would really love to engage a singles community and provide a service to those, maybe it's a, a rural church mm -hmm. in, in a an area that there are, are not a lot of churches and maybe no opportunities to work with and minister to that singles community, how can they be effective in ministering to those people when they don't have any themselves yeah. or very few? Yeah, no, I think that is tough too. I think, and even in big churches, um, you know, not many churches have a single adults ministry. They might have a young adults ministry or youth Ministry. They might have some some short term care groups, maybe like a divorce care program, um, things like that. But not a not a long term community for something like this. And and our church didn't either. 
um, which is, um, there was a need, they saw an awareness of that. You know, uh, sadly, right, 50% of marriages end in divorce, and so there is no shortage of people who are struggling through this experience and who are in this season of grief and loneliness and, right, just trying to um, find community and find a place to heal. And uh, so I, I would encourage uh, those people, if you, uh, if you feel an inclination, right, if, if the plight, that's a dramatic word, of uh, divorcees and single moms and widows uh, tugs at your heart a little bit, yeah, I, I don't think it's kind of like if you build it, they will come. What was that movie? Where oh, Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner. Field, it, yeah. it, I, to me, that's kind of what it is. You know, our church, our group, you know, which started with six people, you know, who kind of met in a room, um, you know, over the last four years, I would say we've impacted four or 500 people. You know, we've got 100 people every month that participate in some way, and, um, and most of those aren't at our church. Most of those would call another church their home, but their church doesn't have a single adult community, and so they kind of rally around this. Now, this is a connecting point, and I don't think it feels self-promotional because I don't have anything for sale, but one of the, the next things on my heart is to develop some resources, um, you know, maybe a, a two-year teaching curriculum that has topics specific mm. to single adults. That's great. Things like that, where a church could just download a PDF with promotional graphics for Facebook and a study guide with questions baked in. And so even if you don't have a leader, let's say, who has a teaching gift or a study gift or whatever, um, if they're just willing to create a space for communities and do a little you know, promotion of it on Facebook, um, that they could just facilitate a group and start to build community um, in this way. And so, yeah, that's one of the things that's on my heart. Not enough churches, I think, create community yeah. uh, like this. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see more. So, Damon, I think yeah. one of the biggest ways that Satan attacks people is tries to get into our mind that we're not enough, mm -hmm. we're not good enough. Yeah. And so one of the main reasons that people don't come to church, that they've been either de-churched or, or just have not been connected with church yeah. ever in their lives yeah. or for years, is he plants these, these self-deprecating ideas in our mind yeah. that... Uh, I, I don't fit in there. And we walk in, and it's it's the reason why the, the most visited space in a church for a newcomer is the bathroom, mm. uh, because they walk into a space that they're unfamiliar with, and they want to go someplace where they can hide. Yeah. Uh, and and you walk in the doors, and your your mind is thinking, I'm not dressed appropriately. I, for, I didn't bring a Bible. I don't have a Bible. I don't know the words to these songs. I don't know any of these people. Everyone's looking at me. They're going to ask me to raise my hand and stand up, and they're going to yeah. call me out. And so if someone who is walking in, either as a single or someone who is, is recently divorced and is trying to figure out how do they get hope back into their life, and they say, maybe I'll try this church thing. Haven't been in a while. Yeah. And, and so they're walking into a space where they're already feeling inadequate. They're already feeling insecure. How can the church help to break down some of those preconceived ideas that they may have about themselves that they're walking into to really be a place of comfort and care? Yeah, boy, that's a broad-ranging answer. I think, you know, one thing is what we're already talking about, just creating a community, um, I think, helps, because that can be an introduction to a church that feels safer, um, to come into. But, you know, part of that too, I wouldn't even put the onus on the church exactly to do that. I just think as individuals, I would encourage all of us, right, to resist uh, that accusation in our head that says, I can't come 
to church or come to God because I'm disqualified. There's something in my history that I just, I'm not good enough. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, and, and just to resist that, and maybe the thing the church can do most is just preach the gospel and be compassionate. Just confess that all of us, right, are broken and that all of us are vulnerable, that all of us depend fully on Jesus' righteousness and not our own, you know. Just those kind of messages, I think, um, help remind um, people who are especially broken and especially vulnerable in a moment um, that they're welcome and that this is a community that I can be a part of, that I'm not disqualified uh, because of my experience, but it actually qualifies me <laughs> to some degree to be a part of this community that's confessing this salvation by grace through faith, right? And just, you know, something like that, uh, maybe too. And it's, you know, it's complicated, far-reaching. Each community, I think, is going to be very unique uh, too. But uh, but maybe that's one thing. I, I think say. it's difficult when the church as a whole, and I mean capital T, capital C, not any individual congregation. Bruce, we've talked about this before. The church as a whole almost places a requirement on their staff that you cannot be single. Oh, sure. Uh, especially with men, yeah. you know, especially with, with male staff. It's, <laughs> it's, it's we're hiring you and your spouse. And if you're not married, then we're probably not going to hire you. Mm-hmm. And, and so if that's kind of a mindset already with the staff, my fear is that that, that kind of prejudice is going to bleed over into the way that we look at at people that walk through the doors of our church. How can, I know that's a very difficult question, but how can the church begin to break some of those, some of those prejudices that, that they have? Yeah, well, and it, it yeah, again, a, a difficult question to answer for everybody. And I think that's true. That's been part of my experience as well. And I think, um, you know, again, I would almost speak to those divorcees and those widows and those single people first, rather than even speaking to pastors, to some degree, would speak to those people and just say, hey, not everyone's going to get it. Not everybody's going to understand what you've been through. And um, to some degree, you're just going to need to let go of what other people think, right? That you're, um, for all of us, our identity uh, begins with Christ, and then uh, find a community where that's um, preached and where you have opportunity to lean into good work, right? It's just, you're exp- you know, part of all of us have seen that Venn diagram before that says, you know, where's your sweet spot? Where's, where's the, as Ephesians 2 promises, where's the work that has been prepared in advance for you to do? Well, it's where your passion and your experience and your opportunity kind of overlap, mm-hmm. right? There's a sweet spot there. And part of what again, redeems this, these trials, is that we are now equipped. Our experience is part of what has equipped us to do that good work. And so find a place where there's an opportunity uh, to do that. And, and maybe that's in a different church, not to pastors that might be. Well, make sure you're creating an opportunity for what we're talking about with pastors, this sweet spot that age maybe brings and humility brings through hard experiences to do this unique kind of compassionate um, ministry, hey, pastors and churches, man, create space um, to do that kind of care ministry, um, not just to the poor, not not just in benevolence, yeah. but in this kind of stuff too, to care for these people, especially in these 
seasons of grief after something like a, a death of a spouse or a divorce. I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, and I don't want to say we've overvalued marriage in the church because I, I don't think that's the case. But I definitely think mm-hmm. we've undervalued singleness. Yeah, I think the church has been so focused on, you know, like we, you were talking a minute ago, our age where we're at in life. You know, when when we were coming out of our teens, early twenties, for ladies especially, if they got to be, <clears throat> excuse me, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. It's like, you might as well go be a nun. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> if you're not married by now, and I mean, and now I have, I mean, lots of friends that intentionally are in their late 20s choosing to be single. And, you know, we have friends in their, you know, 30s and even 40s that have never been married. And I'm not saying they don't want to be. And then at some point, you reach a point <clears throat> where it becomes noble. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. But that's that's a ways down the road. Correct. Yeah. And so even in the 40s, you're not there yet. And so, you know, but in that space, you get people in their in their 30s and 40s that, that are struggling. And they're on a journey. And they're living there. And when the church continues to, I feel like, kind of really only support marriage and not singleness and yeah. not address that from the fact of, you know, like it is a real viable way to live and choose it. And maybe you don't choose it, but it's a, it's a, it's a support. It's yeah. um, it's just something that needs a little more, I think, attention in that space. I love what you said there. Yeah, which I'm reminded of what Paul says, right? It's like there's a unique opportunity when you're yeah. single to be single-mindedly focused on the work that God has for you to do. And that's a good thing. Hey, to be married is great, and I am happy to be remarried. I've found a good wife, and that's a good thing. Uh, But man, my single season may have been the most productive season of ministry that I've had in my 53 years, right? There's there's something unique there uh, when you can really focus. And you're right, I think we tend to you know, a single guy in his 50s, we tend to, I hope this is okay to say on your podcast, we tend to think, well, are they gay or are they struggling yeah, in some way? Yeah. Or is there something disqualifying about them? Or, you know, some, it feels weird and, and we're suspicious almost of it. And maybe there is some wisdom uh, to apply to how far people are along in their recovery before we equip them for ministry in some way. Are they... Um, to the point in their own healing where it feels good, and it feels good for them to put them into a position where there's the pressure of ministry and some of that stuff too. Um, you know, it drains you. It costs you something yeah. uh, to lead people and minister to people. And But yeah, there's, that's a good word, Robert, too. And, and you really planted the seed in the beginning. We do tend to see it as a corruption or we're su- suspect of someone who's single later in life. And uh, yeah, biblically, um, that isn't reflected. Uh, that that in fact is presented as an opportunity to be single-mindedly focused. And for the last seven years, I can say that was definitely true of me. Well, yeah. and you look at over half of the New Testament was written by a guy who we know was single. <laughs> yeah, right, I, sure. I, I believe was divorced. I believe he was a divor- divorcee. Yeah. Um, uh, we know he was either divorced or a widow. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, and, and he takes a very, a very specific angle yeah. on, on being single. Yeah. And, and what that means and the unique opportunities that that presents, I think, that there are, and you touched on that a little bit before, that there are really some unique opportunities that you have mm-hmm. in that space in ministry. So for a lot of our listeners that are in smaller churches, very limited resources, yeah. uh, uh, both in people power and in finances and in space, what are some things that that they can do to be effective in creating community and opportunities for single adults? Well, I can I can share what we've done, and it wasn't a plan that we had. It's just how it's unfolded over time, and we've just made adjustments as we go. I think 
as a part of our single adult community, which has really thrived, which has seemed to have borne good fruit, um, our anchor is a weekly Bible study. So our primary thing isn't social, and a lot of single things are social. Yeah. Let's have a meetup, um, you know, movie night or a dance or a coffee thing, you know, that kind of thing. And again, we're really resisting the idea. And part of resisting the idea that it's a dating club also communicates that we don't see you as incomplete or corrupt. We don't need to marry you off in order to fix you in some way. And I think that's an important part of that. Is that something too. that's that's communicated to them, that's verbalized? Well, in some cases, yes, but it's 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 almost just implied. And I think it's one of the difficulties of being single is there's so much pressure um, to the idea that singleness is something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Right? It just feels that way. Um, unintentionally, I think. And, and again, some of that is normal. There, in most of us, there's a desire to find companionship, to be in community and relationship with somebody who knows you fully. And that unlocks your ability to just feel fully loved. When you're fully known, you can just feel that way. Now, you can do that in community as a church, too. And I think that's part of what we try to do is do that in community. A lot of the brokenness in this community is failed relationships. You know, Bruce, you were talking earlier about regrets that we have in parenting or mm -hmm. uh, ministry or whatever, and that's part of the voice that you were talking about, that the enemy plants these seeds of, uh, if only you would have done this. And, you know, and man, that just leads us down this path of, again, um, uh, Dr. Larry Crabb, uh, well-known author. He's got a great book called uh, uh, The Marriage Builders. Love that book. But he presents this idea that when we're interacting with people, our motive is one of two things. It's either manipulation. We're trying to turn them into what we think they should be, <laughs> self-serving in some way, or it's ministry. It's just purely for their good. And I think... Um, uh, now, I've lost track of the question at this point. I've been meandering. But, uh, but there's something in that that gets at the heart of it, is a community in which we're not trying to marry you off in order to fix you. We're just being in community, and we're coming under the authority of God's Word, just trusting that He keeps His promises, and there's lots of good promises to people who are hurting, right? He collects our tears in a jar, that there's new mercies every morning, that those who draw near to Him, He will draw near also, right? Mm -hmm. So much comfort uh, in there. And I think of the story of the widow's might, one of my favorite um, she had very little to offer, but what she offered, Jesus called attention to yeah. and said, that added more to the kingdom than what all the others did. And this is, this is just a poor, uh, excuse me, mm -hmm. I'm a crier. Didn't used to be before 2016. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, what a, what a beautiful comfort there is in that, that this poor widow who felt as if she had nothing offered what she had, brought it to the altar, and Jesus said, whew, that adds more to the kingdom than all the rest of it. Man, that's a good word. So I think that anchor, that Bible study, uh, has been the lifeblood because we're just submitting all of our emotions and all of our crud and all of our temptations and all of the accusations that the enemy will bring, the temptations to withdraw and divide and stay home and not get out of bed and right, whatever. And instead, let's just draw near to God and trust that he's going to do some work here. Now, we also have fun. We get out and we have hikes and we do New Year's dances and we have something almost every weekend. And I think that's important too, I think, to make new good memories. <laughs> you know, when those holidays come near and you're reminded yeah, of your grief, yeah. your grief washes over you a bit. If your kids are at your ex's house instead of at yours mm -hmm. and things like that, 
to gather with friends and have fun and even shallow stuff like just post selfies on Facebook, you know, with your new friends. I mean, just all of that stuff just helps you kind of just be comfortable with where you're at and kind of see it as good. Uh, my now wife, uh, years ago, had said when she joined our group, she said, all of my married friends are like envious of us because we have so much fun. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, there's something in that that helps you make new friends and make new memories, right, that just supplant some of these yeah, negative yeah. older ones and just imagine a good future. Start to see that there's hope. Uh, for you. So that's a super long answer, but no, I, I thought think that, that was gets great. at the heart of that. Yeah. Jamin, you said something earlier that I want to revisit because I think it's so important. A lot of churches and even small churches will do outreach ministries where they will provide a program. Mm. They'll do a divorce recovery group. Um, and it's, it's a specific program mm -hmm. that is designed to give you help in 10 weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and, and as if, if you'll come be a part of this in 10 weeks, we're going to fix you. Yeah. We're, we're going to make everything better. And yeah. then and then you're just on your own. You said we try to, there's not a lot of long-term ministry for singles taking yeah, place. Yeah. I think that's critical, that yeah. it's not just a program that you sign up for, you complete, and now everything's done and you're finished, but it's it's a long-term family. It's a long-term community, mm -hmm. a ministry that they're a part of. I think there's huge difference in that, and something that that is a paradigm shift, I think, for a lot of churches to say, we're not just going to offer this this small short-term program, but this is something that we truly value as a long-term yeah. investment into people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, creating a home for, um, you know, I used that phrase, um, broken and vulnerable people earlier. I think at our church, uh, we kind of have a a vision statement uh, to some degree that just changed this year, and I'll share the change because I think it's pretty profound. It used to be uh, helping broken and vulnerable people find life in Christ. That was kind of our mission statement. And I think it was a, the heart behind that was good, but it implies that we're higher and we're helping those broken and vulnerable people up. And that's a, a program or it's a donation or its service, and all of that is good. But uh, the change that our uh, lead pastors made this year was to just drop helping. We're not helping broken and vulnerable. We are broken mm. and vulnerable people, right? And and they made one other subtle change, which I don't think is as profound, but it's good. Not finding life, but uh, I think they said um, it's not discovering. Maybe it's discovering life in Christ. But the idea there. It's not just a solution, but it's just an ongoing life in Christ that we're participating in. But, but I love that change because it does. It communicates. It helps us think of ourselves not as on high and mm -hmm. <laughs> helping others up. You know, there may be some wisdom there in applying what you've learned and the wisdom you've gained to help others. You know, that's why we write books and it's why we preach and all that stuff, and that's all good. But, but there's something good and inviting uh, to broken and vulnerable people when when you present your mission as a church is, hey, we're all broken and vulnerable. Yeah. And I think that's really yeah. good to create a, a home uh, for them and not just a care ministry. Now, I will say this. Um, again, I hope this doesn't sound self-promoting because I don't have anything for sale, but I've written a book called Navigating Divorce uh, based on my own process of recovery. And our church hosts a class uh, based on that book that we also call Navigating Divorce, and it's a 12-week um, 
book club to so some degree. So 10 weeks isn't enough. No, but 12 weeks. When you get 12, 12, you're great. So it's, like, it's like the apostles. If you can get 12, you're, in, you're locked a, in. It's a biblical principle. Yeah, those extra two weeks, I think. You Makes know, all the difference. It's like six-minute abs, no, five-minute abs. I'm going to buy that one because, uh, but, yeah. But, uh, but anyway, it, 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 I think it can be, um, you know, like we're talking about a church that has a single adults ministry, um, it can be daunting for someone who's outside the church or new to a church, like you say, to come and risk showing up when I don't know the songs and I'm not sure if I'm dressed right and everything else. And there is something to offering something that they know they're welcome to. Um, and I, you know, I did divorce care uh, maybe four months after my divorce. And there were some things in that were, that were helpful. And that, in part, is what kind of led me to... Uh, be willing to help create an ongoing community for single adults was I just saw the benefit of being in community with other people who had been through similar things uh, to kind of work through uh, this stuff, encourage one another together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, both of those things. Having a church that doesn't, again, presume to view these people, to some degree we are broken, right? We've been through some hard things, and, you, and it's good to honor that pain and not just gloss over it, uh, but also... Um, just to have a, a church culture uh, that says that, hey, everybody's uh, welcome. And, you know, I don't, there are lots of ways you may do that. Maybe check fewer boxes that identify you. But, but I don't know how that looks exactly. But, uh, but definitely creating something that looks more like a home uh, for broken people. You're starting not point. a triage. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, your yeah. starting place was such a different different space, though, because of how connected you had been and were mm. in, in the church and in, in your faith. And I don't want, you know, you're yeah. talking big C, little C there a minute ago, Tony. I mean, I think that, you know, your faith was important. You were pursuing that. It was a daily walk for you. You were doing your best to die to self, take up the cross and follow. Yeah. And then you hit a season of life that was really, really hard. But your starting point was still something of from an intimacy with with Jesus yeah. um, and a communication with God the Father and 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 I and I'm, I'm interested like I don't want to spend a, you know we don't have to spend a ton of time here but like you talked a little bit ago like how has that transition been with with your friends and, and you know that you people you're meeting mm. who are stepping in that that don't have that same starting point yeah. but the but the the the, the building the, the church hasn't been the sp- the best space for them because it's just maybe a hard way to come in. But this group, this kind of organic intimacy that you guys have, yeah. this circling up, yeah. has been different. Well, that's that's part of that humility that we talked about earlier that really helps, I think, create this sweet spot of pastoral ministry. Because um, it is easy when things are going great, smooth sailing, man, my church is growing, and everything I lay my hands on turns to gold, and I just keep making more money, and right, and... You know, there there is this, and it's not even on purpose. There's just this uh, um, thing that sneaks in that just starts to believe that, I don't know, um, I don't need God exactly. It's not that you would ever say that out loud, but there is something where you're just not as aware of your need. Um, and for me... Um, Maybe that was the shift. And, and again, that's how you see a humbling process as a gift, um, is that you kind of quit coasting maybe to some degree and, and, and in drawing near to God yourself, 
um, there's something there that, you know, we've talked about it already, but this gives you this compassion uh, for other people that are hurting. And I tend to, um, you know, I hinted at this earlier, I, I just tend to focus less on um, my performance or my accomplishments or my gifts uh, to some degree, um, kind of the ignorance of youth. Not even all of that is corrupt exactly. We just don't know better. And now this is just a richer, fuller thing to just be talking more about what God has been doing. And I don't know, maybe there's something in that that seems fundamental um, in some way. I'm not sure I answered your question, but that's that's part of it. It's just this shift of attention from what I'm doing to what God is doing, maybe, is Mm -hmm. part of that. And it's not like I made the choice. It's not like I get credit for it. um, maybe I was disciplined. Maybe, maybe I just reaped what I sowed. It's hard to work all that out, but you know, what's done is done. Moving forward, God has been faithful in this difficult season, even when other people weren't faithful, and even when I wasn't very faithful. I didn't steward my life very well. God has made a way. Um, haven't been undone by it. My kids are doing well. Um, many of my griefs, many of my wounds have healed. I've got a lot to look forward to, uh, not just eternally, <laughs> but in these golden years, I hope. And that's all stuff that God has done. It isn't anything uh, that I did, and I think there's something in that that's truer than <laughs> some of the ministry I've done in the past yeah. that was a little more focused on, um, look how good I am <laughs> doing this thing. Yeah. Not Again, not that you would ever say that, but, but I, I was just more focused on... Um, the work in some way on my work than God's work in some way. So anyway. Hey, thanks for joining us for the first half of our conversation with Jamin Rathbun on singleness and singles ministry inside of the church. Um, hope you've enjoyed this. And I know you're going to love the next half next week uh, when second half of this episode drops. For more information about Higher Ministries, you can visit higherministries.com.